Welcome back to Sci-Fi on Trial. Sci-Fi on Trial, the show where we debate poorly received science fiction classics to see if they have been remembered fairly. To that end, I have assembled a crack team to debate illuminating questions for the film on trial. I also collected interviews and opinions from outside sources to give you a more comprehensive picture of how fandom reacted to the film. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host for these proceedings, and I'm thrilled to bring you the continuation of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace on Trial. Last time, we introduce you to our debate panel, co-hosted by Daniel O'Connell and featuring Ryan Casey, Jenny Krantz, and Johnny Unicorn. We discussed the way the film is remembered and debated whether or not it is a garbage movie. Let's jump right back into the discussion. You know, Samuel L. Jackson and um, Jeff Goldblum be in a movie. Oh, uh, yeah, would, why hasn't see. that happened yet? Uh, like a like a uh, old an uh, old like um, oh an old God, gay married would, couple and they're like be, at each other's throats. Uh, awesome. God, but they are bad. also fighting <laughs> aliens, you know. That should happen. I would, but watch they're that. also Who fighting aliens. Who do we talk aliens? to about that? I think oh, we just yeah, no, the aliens don't come in until the second act. Yeah, yeah, the whole first third of the movie. Jeff, it's me, baby Dan. Real quick, just a quick question for you, you Sammy J. What do you think? <laughs> no? Cool. Who's I get Sammy it. J? Samuel think Jackson. Sammy Davis Jr.? Uh, yes. Yes. And you gave up too quickly. You gotta try no, to no, convince no. him. It's a long con. Okay. Give okay, him go. a month. <laughs> All right. We're moving on to question two. Here we go. Uh, so, does Phantom Menace expand the Star Wars universe? Uh, uh, Baby Dan, go. Yeah, it super does. In what way? Uh, Naboo? Like... Uh, <laughs> I mean, boom. yes, it does literally. It does add what is places. Maybe you need to clarify your question. Yeah, to me, yes, because there were like new worlds that when they popped up, I was like, this is rad as hell. And like pod racing is like, uh, it's like, uh, it feels like a thing that would organically exist in the Star Wars universe to me. Mm-hmm. It feels like a thing of like, if this, then this. At some point, there would be a Star Wars sport. And why not pod yeah. racing? Yeah. John, what do you think? Oh, man, this is getting me excited about the movie all over again. This is, like, <laughs> this is what it felt like in 1999. Um, what was the question? Does this expand <laughs> Does this the Star Wars universe? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Why not? Same, like, same answer. Same answer. But I don't know what the Star Wars universe is supposed to be. Because you're not as entrenched in it, maybe? Well, I mean, I know the first three movies, but I never read any of the books. Ryan, what do you think? I it does it it, it does expand on it, but it, it expands like on the background of it. It's like making a movie out of like the appendices of <laughs> Lord of the Rings, How, or they should do or that, like right? they did basically. I guess with like I don't know. 
Yeah, I think it's Silmarillion. The movie. Wait, how so? What do you What do you mean it expands on the background? Because he's filling in a a story that we don't need to hear. The story of how Anakin became bad is that the story? I guess. Yeah, because I it it was not totally not his fault. Yeah, I think that's not necessary. (laughs) I think that why not just let Darth Vader be the bad guy, and why do we need? To, Wait, so then nice to have, have a, this weird full circle story because then you're yeah, just because you're just awkwardly tying loose ends together and it, that's when it gets frustratingly stupid. So you would like rather that the like the if they were to make more <laughs> Star so Wars much, movies, it would just be a detached story because you don't even because like for the old Star Wars movies, you only get like a you know a little sense of the world and here he's like trying to like. Fill in all the rest of the things you've heard about, and I'll show you as many of the aliens as could possible. Yeah. I think that's pretty valid. You know? I like that makes a lot and of this sense. is how it all came together. That's and, how yeah. I felt in episode three when he, it was like, he's boom, the it. emperor's old now. Yeah, boom, boom. The, it's annoying. He's a Darth yeah. Vader now. So, Ryan, what you're saying actually, the reason I asked this question is because I actually am going to be contrarian here. I think this movie makes the universe feel smaller. Because yeah, that's kind of what I'm. Yeah, yeah, because it's filling in all the details you'd never knew you didn't want. It's so your your <laughs> yeah. sense of imagination right. is stopped. It's explaining yeah. things yeah. that don't need to be explained. Yeah, why not ask more questions? Why not go forward? Right. and yeah. reveal new mysteries. Right, instead of being like, this is why we have the force because the little things I gave uh, a name and the like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. That's the oh, moment. Didn't say it. That's right. the moment. I don't want to say it. I don't like the whole force <laughs> feels small. Her- there's no it collapses. So I, I know I'm going through this thing where I'm starting to like this movie. There is no fucking excuse for midi chlorians. Like no. that is a crime against Star Wars, as far that as I'm was concerned. Oh man, I, was, I didn't, I did not like it when I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's a good, really, that's a cool really? way to explain it. Oh, I thought because that's always anytime there's like magic in a story, I'm always like, well, what's how's that? What's the mechanism behind that? The mechanism still, of the magic. Like even why, if the why would that just happen? Are a thing. There's gotta be. There's still magic. There's still like, how do they make things fly? They have like a life cycle or something. I don't know. It's, you still have to. Their secretions your... maybe are well, like yeah. their shit is like the force. I it's mean, useless. You, yeah. And I thought like a lot of the the history that they talked about. I mean, again, and this is a difference. I think when you were immersed in the universe, like I felt a lot of. I knew enough about oh the old republic, the Clone Wars. Yeah. Like I had enough of from again from tidbits that were given away in the movie. You know, Obi Wan tell you know your father was a Jedi. You know, and you hear sort of little bits of it. You know, so I thought that that would have been a cool story to see, but. But it wasn't. Uh, yeah, and then <laughs> no. it turns out it wasn't. Like I was like, okay, cool. This is pretty much what I knew had happened. Because and yeah. the uh, midichlorians yeah. to me was just a complete over, over explaining of something. Because I thought that the whole mysticism of the force and the magic of it, like that was what was so intriguing. It's like you make it what you want it to be. Is it an ancient religion? Is it this? Is it that? Like what is it? Midichlorians? Oh, there's these little, little bugs in your blood that well, make you do stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and you have to be born with it. That's the part that really. Pisses me uh, off. Yeah. That's the worst. Is that you're either born with the ability to use the force or not? 
you know, which I mean that they alluded before to that. It was just like some are like, stronger. So, some people yeah. feel it or but you don't. Still you know, felt like anyone could do it. You're like, oh, someday we'll find out. Han Solo can use the Force. Like totally. Yeah. Like he just has to believe, like uh, like in Hook or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> someday he's. I do believe in the Force, and then he can like. That's yeah. gonna happen in the new Man, movie. I bet. Wouldn't I mean, that be awesome? Be maybe cool. we should have seen this coming because they said over and over the Force is strong in your family, so that makes yeah. it sound genetic. You know. Right. So maybe we should have seen this coming. Yeah, that's, totally. That's the thing. It's, it's the Metachlorians and even because it's like having the mystery of the of the Force and the sort of oh. the and the and the history of having knowing about the Clone Wars and wondering what's that about. Like that's what made that makes the the original Star Wars experience yeah. richer. But then when you go back and you're like, here's what all we were talking about. But then there's no like mystery within that world to yeah. wonder about. Right. They're just explaining away. It's a closed door. Let me yeah. hold on a second yeah. though. Let me ask you a question. Did it is is the is the whole point of the uh, the whole prequel trilogy that the Emperor created Anakin? Yeah, that's, I think so. Well, he the whole virgin that's birth the mystery, that, oh, right? Yeah, the whole Did virgin the birth in the first movie. Did the bother anyone else? I thought well, it, was, it did I until I don't even remember that being part of it. It oh, did yeah, bother he me. Didn't have a father. Right. Yeah. She just became pregnant. Yeah. It did yeah. bother me until I saw so, episode three, where they made it clear that these dark Sith lords created a creature out of the midi chlorians, and that kind of oh, oh, made really? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that creature is Plagueis. Anakin. Yeah, Darth Plagueis, who was the master of Darth Sidious, and who was Emperor Palpatine. Okay. Wait, he, the he was the because ma- I thought Darth Sidious was Darth Plagueis. No, That's but Darth Plagueis was- is the one that Darth Sidious uses the story of him, right, to tell Anakin how yeah. he can bring back Padme to life because yes. this Jedi oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. learned this art. Darth Plagueis was the master to Darth Sidious, who was Emperor Palpatine. This is no. all. This is all implied in the movies. I thought it was implied that he was him, and that he was living like forever. Uh, I think it's implied that Darth Sidious kills Darth Plagueis because there's like there can be only one. You know, there's like there's the master and the apprentice, and we know in in this world, Darth Sidious, who is Emperor Palpatine, has apprentices. So what? Like Count Dooku becomes his new apprentice after Darth Maul dies. Oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah. So basically, that whole system is just completely fucked up because you have like these really dark evil wizards who are killing each other. There can only be two of us. Yeah. So why would you ever have an apprentice? Because your apprentice is going to kill you someday. You know. Yeah, it doesn't make That's sense. Stupid. So, yeah, Darth dumb. Sidious kills Darth Plagueis, so steals the secret of how to create life using the midichlorians, uh, oh, and then I never got creates that. Anakin out of the midichlorians. That's... That's the implied story. where did the whole chosen one, the one that will bring balance to the fourth, then how do they get that idea that they're, and why do they think that he is the chosen one? Well, that's a prophecy, (laughs) and it's very arguable that the prophecy is fulfilled by the Sith creating a creature out of the force who destroys the Jedi. Because that brings balance, because the the Jedi were all fucked up in these movies. You know, they're like really haughty and all superior, and then by wiping them out. Yeah, and there's a jillion of them, and there's no Sith. There's no balance. By wiping them out, they do create balance <laughs> maybe it wasn't a prophecy maybe it was just a plan true. a plan right uh, yeah just a blueprint yeah. for a plan a plan that they got they told people about and got the passed jedi they're down. stupid they think it's a prophecy yeah. i don't know yeah these but guys will believe anything why are they believing prophecies they're supposed to be smart why are they believing prophecies are they scientists or are they monks who are these jedi people are they cowboys are they marshals are they scientists are they army guys yeah they're all those. They're all yeah. those. That's they're, too many they're things. Ma- they're, <laughs> they're like they're like Superman. They're super cops. Too, they got too much. 
They get too much power. They're the superheroes of the, of the Star Wars universe. They really are. They're the Avengers. <laughs> For the record, just a real quick side note. I think the fact that Sith can only have two of them is my new favorite thing. When, I, when Jesse told me that, I was like, that's like the raddest trait of the Star but Wars universe. But there are other that bad. It's well, so cool. The idea I mean, that, it's not, it's not, that, that part of like the useful. evil side is that you know that the it person you're training well, yeah, and that you, you is so... I don't know. There's something well, like, really I think like none of them think that that will happen. I think they all think they are powerful enough to prevent that, but they're all wrong. Right. But that's part of what but that what like that represents, the, yeah. is like it's, the yeah. ego to be like, totally. I yeah, can yeah. beat anyone, so, so it there can matter. only be two bad Jedis at a time? It didn't used to be that way, but it became that way because of ego. Because... Uh, there, I mean, there used to be like Sith armies, and there it's, used to be a war between the Jedi and the Sith way back in the day when things were more balanced. Uh, but the Sith were wiped out by the Jedi. So what if I'm a bad Jedi? What if I'm a good Jedi, and I'm like, right. I would like to become a bad Jedi? So well, you, you, you don't tell your good Jedi. You don't tell the good Jedi you friends about anybody. this. Is, is it a rule, or is it just that it just happens because they kill each other all the time? It becomes it becomes more of a rule later on in the universe. Like by the time we it's get to episode one, at this point, but it they becomes could. more of a rule. But there it's, could be more if they wanted to. Yeah, it's like a rule the it's same way that Jedi's rule. don't have sex until yeah. Luke's like, yeah, but I kind of want to have sex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to kiss my but sister. Do they, all, <laughs> do they actually say something like, like there can only be one apprentice? I thought you said something. I know they say, they just say specifically like, like always when two. there's a master, there is an apprentice. Um, oh. Maybe this is, I don't know where I read this. Oof, um, if you're wrong, I like this universe well, less. Well, let's find out. The internet is right here for us, guys. Oh, I love the internet. Um, I thought it was just like a gag that his apprentices always die in every movie, and he's like, it was like the <laughs> spinal tap. After drama. Darth Bane established the rule of two, Sith tradition dictated that there could only be two Sith lords at any oh. given time. Okay. Oh. Boom. So, I, Darth right, Bane, so here established so the here. rule of two. <laughs> so, <laughs> so is this, explain this to me, because... I, I don't oh, come. I would love to see that movie where it is just Bane from from Batman. <laughs> Darth Bane is literally Bane. Is that, is that how Bane talks? Can that too. Is that how yeah. Bane talks? That's yeah. sure. Yeah. I was just doing a high voice. Pitch, high pitched shot. Thought, is that how he talks? I thought you were doing Bane just get, from I, Batman. Well, you no, didn't like. You weren't like. It wasn't it was like a, a perfect. It was a high pitched. It was good. It was, it was good. good. I've never. Yeah. I don't know. Have you never seen it? No. That's another subject. That's, that's I was just making a. Yeah. I was just that, to that's fun. on the list in my yeah, head. It's not a sci-fi movie. I failed at my joke. I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah, I, I mean, like I Batman. Yeah, that's that true. Shit. Batman could be considered to be science fiction. I mean, you can also change bit. the name of this podcast. You've, I could have the first it yet. one. You could just say movies yeah. and stuff on trial. Yeah, you could call it but stuff on. You trial. You could call it the movies we shared. But I'm just so much more obsessed with sci-fi than anything could else. I, it's, what gets, it's what gets me out of bed. I think I have one more question about the Sith Lords. Yeah. So are is are the Sith Lords sort of like the Jedi Council? They're just like the leaders of the bad guys. Like there can be mm. other bad guys that use the Force. There can be other Not bad Jedi. There, there's supposed to be yeah. two bad gonna... people that use the Force. There's the Master and the Apprentice. After after this rule of two is enacted, but they have all this scheming and all this stuff. Like, the whole battle droid, you, droid, droid army. Get, how do you get an apprentice who already has a red lightsaber who's already bad and knows how to use those and oh, is they good enough find, to become... They find well, someone. Using the Force, they find someone with Force ability and then they train them to be so a yeah, Sith Lord. I don't Lord. think that they find... Or they create them. I don't think they just Dooku inherently was a good, bad. They don't go to Sith R Us and just yeah. find one. 
So no, like, I think people are the Jedi are inherently yeah. good. They need to tra- yeah. convert them. Or they turn good Jedi. Count Dooku was turned. He was a good Jedi who yes. was turned. So like after after Darth Maul was defeated, yeah. he's like got to find a new one. Count Dooku. Because there's you a long. You seem like you yeah. might be kind but of a bad have, guy. Don't forget, there's like twelve or thirteen years between those but two movies. Didn't he have a couple of people all at like yeah. at the same time? Wasn't I thought he was. Tr- well, it's like an audition process. The, he brought in a bunch of people. Yeah. In the Clone General Wars. General Grievous, is Your he a good guy purple, who turns bad? He seems he even like a, an evil robot. Is he a robot? He's, he's a not robot. a Sith Lord. He's not an apprentice. He's not a Sith Lord. But he, he knows just how uses to wield the lightsaber. Uh, he's just a, a really jerk. Oh, Speaking of which, that robot. goes yeah. against the Time magazine that I had that said only uh, Jedi no. people with Force powers could use it. There have been other instances where non-Jedi have used I think even in the new When we're talking about yeah. genuine canon, I'm so I don't even so know if well, Finn is, yeah. a, is a We don't know yet. Jedi. We don't yeah, know, the idea I, originally was that you can't even get a lightsaber to turn on unless you have the Force. That yeah. has been disproven. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> lightsaber is just a... Like, he doesn't know how to... He, like, he can, well, like, it was disproven in Empire Strikes Back when Han uses it to cut open the Tauntaun. Oh, right. And he... No, never mind. Nothing. Well, no, just that part. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Han, right. Han has the Force. That's, that's, what, I'm so that's what I'm saying. There were people yeah. that argued that because of that scene, oh. that because you had to have the Force to turn the lightsaber on, that that's what they're he saying. Just thought it was that a switch. is not true because you have General Grievous turning it on. Or yeah. is that just another example of the prequel trilogy contracting this universe to make it feel well, smaller when you maybe, have these magic oh, hey, things that your imagination he, fills in? Maybe yeah. the Force is, since it's midi-chlorians and stuff, maybe uh, there's some explanation that maybe with technology you could turn on the lightsaber. Well, yeah. You know? Our General Grievous does like have has, some bionics. bionics. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, might be uh, a powerful as a Force person. See, the, the <laughs> force thing, person, one of the yeah. things that I, again, what I didn't like about the prequels is they didn't, he didn't seem to have enough respect for the originals. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about him trying to slip in, like, the whole little, like, references and stuff. At the same time, he seemed to be like, well, I want to do this, so I don't care if that's inconsistent with this. You know, the right. fact that Obi-Wan, I don't recall ever owning a droid, you know, <laughs> or, or the fact that, what the hell, so when the hell did R2-D2 can, like, fly and shoot Oh, gasoline I hate that. and put yeah. things on fire. He seemed like that is a not yeah. that is something again. You're showing off because you decide you wanted to do this. At no point but in also, three like, is it he, he does, shot a lightsaber at Luke. He, that was yeah, cool. but like he I mean, opened a compartment and shot a lightsaber outside. It makes him. a little more he sense. And then and Luke and used the force oil. to get it to him. Yeah. Let's be honest. Why couldn't he get but out of the sand then? Also, after he got, <laughs> yeah, maybe his rockets broke sometime between the prequels and the like, new trilogy. He decided that R two D two got to do that. Yeah. Yeah, because he made a fucking universe, <laughs> and he gets to decide what happens. You're right. He yeah. is God in this You're universe. right. He yeah. can do whatever the hell he wants. He has respect for his own work. It's yeah. his thing. Yeah. 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 You can make your own thing. So you're He's right. You can do glib about it, that's right. all. Picasso could technically have gone up to Guernica and just been like, you know what? I'm going to draw red hearts on this, because mm, I yeah. think it's pretty, and I'm feeling like I love people right now, and they could have done that, and that's his right. So you're right. He can do whatever he wants, <laughs> but I think it was just not giving your your original vision enough credit and not keeping yep. any consistency between those was like what, what, what? come on like I ugh. and it's or, disrespectful to the fan base also, yeah I think, which he obviously didn't he showed that he didn't yeah. really give a shit about the but uh, that's that's a whole other argument yeah, it's we're not like, intentionally disrespectful to the fan base we, we took it well, that way because we're I was actually reading something recently that <laughs> one of the reasons why um, was it Gary Kurtz and him had like a falling out is they disagreed on what people loved about Star Wars George Lucas thought that it was the special effects and this you know breathtaking stuff and Kurtz thought it was more about story and character development. 
wow. that's one of the reasons so why they broke Never apart. And he replaced him with and Rick McCollum. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons yes why man. they... And, and one of the reasons the prequels, <laughs> I do think, is is George Lucas had too much power. He became yep. the emperor. He became emperor. He was uh, surrounded by yes men. He didn't have yeah. anyone balancing him out. He just, whatever he, he you know, one of the reasons wow. the originals worked is because he list, He had to listen to other people because he didn't have enough power yet. You know, he had to win the producers. Because he had darker hair. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, dark hairs. I'm going to ask this question again in a different way. Uh, so I've been trying to think of questions that I could ask for every episode of this podcast. Uh, and asking, like, does this expand the universe works for this episode in the idea that there is a Star Wars universe, you know, yeah. where this is a part of this whole universe. But does this expand the Logan's Run universe? <laughs> oh, but when I, when I originally thought of this question, the, the, idea, the idea I had in my head was that uh, what I love about sci-fi is that it makes me think that my own universe is bigger. That yeah. it makes my brain expand and I look at my own life in a different way. And that's why I love science fiction. Does this movie do that? Throw away the other movies. Look at this movie by itself. Does this movie make you feel like the universe is bigger than no. it was? No. no, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Like the things – there are little things about about the original movies. Like for some reason like the Millennium Falcon and the fact that there's four seats in that just like a car mm. and it has sort of like a windshield yeah. like a car does. And they're all and crowd then, around it like a windshield. Yeah. Like and a, like and if and if you drive down a highway at night like uh, with headlights on while it's snowing and the snowflakes are coming at you it looks just like Star Wars. Uh, I <laughs> used to say like driving, don't, don't driving drive uh, like at night Driving a car at night looks just like driving a spaceship during the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, you're, you're comparing it to the original. I know. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's what it, but I have to forever because that's yeah. what it could have been. And that's what makes me have such a hard time with it because yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't watch it in a vacuum. I, I yeah. think. I feel like well, we don't have to com- let's compare just like it to pod racing. Like what's a movie that makes you feel like the universe is bigger? Like Contact is one for me. Oh, yeah. Well, it's one of my favorite movies where when I watch Contact, my mind expands. I feel like the universe is bigger than this planet. Star Wars feels uh, – episode one feels so cartoony to me yeah. where I can enjoy it from from one point of view. But it, it doesn't give me the satisfaction that science fiction gives me. Yeah. Where I don't really feel like anything's expanded. Because of the midichlorian stuff where yeah. the force doesn't even feel possible. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't feel expansive. No, it so, isn't. It's very yeah. It, yeah. I think you're right. It, it makes the world feel smaller. It's painting the background in too much detail, and it's like mm. it, it, it. We didn't need. We didn't need that. We didn't need. I think those like CGI matte paintings are kind of like a good like symbol for like the whole movie. It's like an over detailed background mm-hmm. for what for a Star Wars movie that I would rather be watching, which is like the original yeah. ones or hopefully yeah. the new ones, which. We'll move forward in time and maybe hopefully expand the universe hey, that we enjoy. You know what? You know what? J.J. Uh, Abrams directed the first Star Trek mm-hmm. reboot, yeah. right? And yeah. the second one. Uh, he uh, he made it so that they went back in time and changed the past and changed the timeline. <laughs> yeah. They so went into maybe, a different timeline, alternate timeline. Maybe J.J. Maybe Abrams could do that. Yeah. Oh, that would be so Wars. great. He yeah. could go back and yeah. create a new... All of this emotional maybe closure that I've managed to achieve before. would be worthless. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't have to go through that. But it's great. I've grown. I'm growing as a person. Uh, wouldn't that be great if he just ignored the prequels yeah. uh, storylines entirely? I and, wonder yeah. if he can I mean, what his... And Amidala marries Jar Jar. probably can. 
And I also, it's kind of Wait, nice. what? Amadala marries Jar Jar? That's well, so flow to my brain. And then Luke and I Leia, I'm imagining. <laughs> they look like, they, but instead of Cinnamon Bun, she has these big, long Oh, they got the ears. Ah, ears? Did you guys think ears? about the fact that C-3PO and Luke and Leia are all ears. siblings? Wait, the what? What? Darth Vader built C-3PO and gave birth to C-3 to uh, Luke and Leia, so they oh, are all siblings. No wonder yeah. they get on each other's nerves. Yeah, <laughs> Luke is C-3PO's why, brother. Why doesn't? That's weird to own your brother, <laughs> but well, kind of amazing. Yeah, I'm like go clean, go get me a drink, bro. You know what? <laughs> yes, right away, slave for life. <laughs> he lost. It's like he lost a bet and didn't welch. Just, just, one just little thing I did notice. So I this what? I've been in like Star Wars, you know, like this past couple of days because I also watched episode two, three, oh, you did. one, oh. and the cartoons. Did you watch no, the? I uh, watched did you the watch the, the two different three D animated cartoons? Watched, yeah, no, I watched the, the entire original Ewok trilogy, uh, and the then Christmas I watched special? A New Hope again because I actually. I, so what I tried to do also preparing for this is I tried to watch A New Hope with new eyes too, and I tried to be more cynical of it. I tried to sit huh. there and be like, okay, let's pay attention to this dumb dialogue. Like, let me, like, let's go to Toshi Station to pick up your mimi. Like, yeah. I wanted to look at it, kind of do the same thing <laughs> I was doing for Phantom idea. Menace. That's a great idea. But in the reverse. Yeah. And it, it's a lot harder, because I was just, all I kept doing was, oh, Everything's so endearing. It. Yeah. It so yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's also uh, your childhood. I know, you know? and like, that's the hardest thing really... to separate. But it, no, but the, yeah. there's, the main thing, I think, is the dialogue in Star Wars <laughs> is so much more natural. They talk, yeah. you know, <laughs> even with, even with Princess Leia's weird... That's my favorite language. All it is is Yoto, Yoto, Yoto. How are you doing today? Yoto, Yoto. How are things with you? Yoto, Yoto. What do you think about the Imperial sound? Yoto, Yoto. Same. That's good. I'm saying there's something on your toe. Um, but it no, it, it is really impossible, and I really did try to look at it more cynically. But I was, and I, yeah, I, I don't because I can never detach my original right. feelings for it. But it's just it's the dialogue and the, the characters are so much more natural. They're they're even when Princess Leia has her weird British accent that she loses for some reason. So does Amidala. Oh, yeah. True, but it's she, just a fancy lady. It's fancy a, lady accent. Yeah. Oh, but what fancy I was going to say is one thing I never noticed an inconsistency that I'd already always pointed out was that the fact that uh, Obi Wan, you know, says I don't ever recall owning a droid. Right. But when Luke first brings uh, C three PO and Obi and R two D two to him, he actually does this little like weird look like with his eyes, like he does this little mm-hmm. shifty like just genius, mean, yeah. wonderful Alec. Wow, like, that is so close. Like, and it watching. was a, it was a really subtle like like in those eyes told me he knew like he did remember them and that this was like he was trying not. <laughs> That's to... That's why he's Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had no idea what. But, <laughs> and sort yeah. of, I'm just trying to connect and know, but I was like, you know what? That I I bought that maybe he did remember them, and he just was not wanting to let Luke. That's know. cool. I've read that online. I've I've read people talking about that exact thing. Mm. You know what's funny? Uh, when you're saying that like you love it so much, it's because it's from your childhood. So watching, yeah. I mean, I feel that all the time. That's my I like I love nostalgia. It's my favorite. I thing. know. I uh, watching Phantom Menace last week, and then again today, I felt nostalgia. It was yeah. crazy. It was a weird feeling because I watched it. Uh, like five times in succession as a kid, and it was I was such a heightened thing for me because I was so and 
so much anticipation surrounding it. Then when I watched it again, and it had been so long since I'd seen it, yeah. I felt nostalgia because it was bringing me back to this moment in my life. And nostalgia doesn't necessarily mean that you love it. It just means that it brings you back to this other time and that you feel this warmth of being brought back in time. It like, that's connects what it means your identity me. together. Yeah. So I felt nostalgia for episode it's one, good. which was really interesting to me. Uh, and another another reason why I was trying to separate my feelings about Star Wars from my feelings about this movie mm-hmm. is because if I feel nostalgia about it and then these certain shots and certain emotions and like the way things look and feel and sound, if I feel that way about this movie that I thought that I hated so much, like maybe there's something to it. Maybe, maybe there's, there's a, other a little bit more to it than I was anticipating. You can was be good. nostalgic <laughs> about the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like I'm nostalgic about a, like a, a neighbor's dog who used to bite my ankles all the time. I'm nostalgic <laughs> about it. I hated yeah. it. I was terrified of that dog. Yeah. Oh, no, but I but, still think like that Star Wars on its own holds up to Yeah. It's just It'd be fun to do an episode of this podcast about the original movies, also with, with people who hate it. Them. Yeah, I would love to find. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you see a lot of them that are like, "Don't get Star Wars is stupid." I yeah. don't get it. Yeah, like, well, I want to find those people that will sit yeah. down and watch it. And well, let's do all six. Let's do yeah. all six because I really want to go back to episodes two and three now that I'm enjoying yeah. this whole universe more than we I did before. <laughs> yeah, I, I also want to watch. I want to watch four, five, and six because I haven't really seen them. I haven't seen them with like. With uh, with the up. purpose of like yeah of like watching I, them to like judge them as a movie in yeah. I don't know probably yeah. like five years so like when I'm saying things like he wrote a bad movie it's just yeah. me kind of being annoyed well, by I think an over glorification of the first three when like maybe it's really yeah. really good and I'm just forgetting it well if we're putting the way the movie's really remembered on trial then that over glorification is how it's remembered and yeah. maybe we should examine that well because there is like even with the dialogue I remember when I was watching Phantom Menace I think there's a line it might have been in the Attack of the Clones or something but he's like there will be no one to stop us this time and I remember yeah. being like that is so stupid and then I, I was watching uh, an uh, New Hope an and that is and I word for word this. Yeah. yeah word for word though the no it's Darth Vader there was uh-huh. no one to stop us this time and I was sort of like Oh, yeah, like, when that you was say kind it, of like a jolt. Like, okay, like, again, like, maybe a lot of my memory is shot by my love of this. Mm-hmm. And it was a time period in my life that was, you know. When, when was, you said there will be no one to stop us this time, I heard Darth Vader saying, I thought see, that's what you were talking about. No, and then I heard the music going, bum, 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 bum. Like, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It, was, it was one of the, I can't, I think it, I can't even remember who it was yeah. in Phantom Menace because they're all such unmemorable characters. Oh, what do you mean? Unmemorable. Any, anytime. One of the, uh, but you know it was Darth Vader. Any, anytime yeah, yeah. the Federation guys who have weirdly. It was, it was Palpatine, wasn't it? Uh, There'll be no one to stop us this time. Uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. It was one of the Viceroy's. It was the Viceroy's. There'll be no one to stop us this time. Yeah, and I'm everything. What a accent that was vaguely. We're going to talk about the accents coming up. Oh, yeah. Let's hear some outside opinions on whether or not Episode One expanded the Star Wars universe. We're going to hear from Justin Minnick, who, as I mentioned in the last episode, recorded hours of himself talking about Episode One. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Your contribution is wildly appreciated. We're also going to hear from Brian Johnson from the podcast The Average Geek Show. And then we'll hear a chunk of my conversation with comedians Lindsay Leonard and Albert Kirchner. I know you didn't ask me to answer any of the rest of these, but I'm going to do it anyway. So, I don't know if you do a part two or whatnot, um, you use those. So, did this movie expand upon the Star Wars universe? By definition, 
Yes, it did. Because it wasn't a story being retold. It was new. It added to the canon, you know, of the Star Wars universe. But I don't think it contributed to it. I don't think it added to it, really. If anything, it took it took away from it. You know, I've, I've tried watching uh, The Clone Wars. And really, that whole series, it just seems to be, like, trying to, like, to justify the the trilogy. And so trying to take, like, poorly introduced characters and flesh them out. And trying to, you know, try to explain, like, Anakin's petulant behavior. I was, like, trying to put, like, a big animated band-aid on, like, a horrible set of movies. The, fil- the film did, by definition, add to the Star Wars universe, but... It didn't. It didn't enrich it. You know, I don't think it's going to be remembered, and if it is, it's not going to be remembered well. Hi, this is Brian with the Average Geek Show. Uh, weighing in on Star Wars Episode One, I definitely think it expanded on the Star Wars universe. It gave us more backstory for Darth Vader than we previously knew. Uh, Based on the books, we knew that Darth Vader became Darth Vader uh, via a fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi. But aside from that, we didn't know too much about where he came from, his backstory. Now, do I think it's the backstory that we wanted or deserved? I highly, highly doubt it. There was a lot that came down to midi-chlorians and... That was not what we were led to believe with the original trilogy. Um, Episode one had its high points and it's definitely had its low points looking at you, Jar Jar Binks. I think it helped to expand once you start seeing the council. Yeah. Is like, at least it's like little pockets into each one of those is like a whole is just it's almost its own little universe. And they like converge for a bit to to have these meetings where only four people matter. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's a whole planet represented by people in a little floaty pod. And yeah. every floaty pod is a different planet. And all those planets are in different systems, probably. Yeah. Did you notice that uh, there's ETs in that? Oh, no. Really? Yeah. Like the alien from ET. There's like three oh, of them. Oh, someone did show a screenshot of that. Yeah. <laughs> so now, like, the Star Wars universe and, and ET are connected somehow. I don't know. That's well, like that a, brings it all together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it seems a little cheesy, but... Like I said, there's some campy elements to it. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, a, I'm sure it was like a throwaway thing that he, yeah. they just did for Steven Spielberg. But I still also see the person like, I only want serious aliens involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> the aliens in this movie all went to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, did you feel like it's, it expanded the universe? I don't know, because I didn't really have any context for it. Mm. Uh, so that's, I don't know if I can answer that. Interesting. What's your relationship to the original trilogy? Um, I watched it when I was really young with one of my babysitters, but I was, gosh, I was probably like five. I was not paying attention. Um, she also had like some sewing kits, so I think I was like making shapes out of buttons. <laughs> I think that was what I did while those were playing. <laughs> Have you seen it since then? Um, I have, mm, I've seen some of them. I think I've seen Return of the Jedi a few times and I, ha- I know I've seen the other ones, but I don't remember when. Do you have, like, solid memories of what happens in them? It's, oh, no. <laughs> so, I mean, ba- your Star Wars experience really is the prequels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's fun because there's so many ways to consume media that I don't consider because I'm only one person, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, like, Star Wars is the original trilogy, and the prequels are, are a thing that happened. 
at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not a thing that happened. It happened to me later on in life. It wasn't like they're not movies. They're just like a right. Well, a it's thing. fun. You say that, and when you, when people say Star Wars, I still think of the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, even though I'm not as familiar with it. Interesting. Um, yeah, I met someone who grew up in Guam, and she had no concept of the series. So when she watched episodes one, two, and three, when Anakin turned into Darth Vader. She actually said to me, she's like, yeah, when I watched it for the first time, I was like, yeah, I didn't really like the third one because Anakin turned into Darth Vader and I wasn't expecting that. It was super dark and really bummed me out, um, which totally (laughs) blew my mind because I'm like, can you imagine having that experience? Like that was so far removed from the experience that I was having. Man, what a twist. That was the whole reason to see it. In the, yeah. like the, when so they like, how does came that out, kid get like, there? How, all the posters yeah, I remember yeah. were like of him on Tatooine as a boy, and the shadow is Darth <laughs> Vader. I love that poster. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, uh, I, I thought about stealing that from the movie theater before the movie yeah. came out, and after the movie came out, I was like, yeah, I don't need it. <laughs> it definitely seems like a movie made for people Anakin's age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's part of it too. It's like reading Harry Potter right before you turn 11. You just get really excited. You're like, wow, someone's going to measure my midichlorians. <laughs> and I'm going to be able to do magic. Wow. <laughs> so you had no problem with the midichlorians? No, no. I mean, but I was not. I, like, I just accepted it. it. It was just like a thing that was thrown in. I really didn't think about it too much. I was more in it for the costumes. Maybe that's why I liked it so much, because Natalie Portman just had great outfits. <laughs> um... The one thing that really still gets me is the midi-chlorian thing. Like, I can't get over it because it's interesting that you compare it to Harry Potter because in the Harry Potter world, it's like anyone could be born with magic, right? You just, like, find out one day that you have magic. And that's, yeah. that's magic. That's magical. And it's exciting. And that's how I used to feel about the Force is, like, anyone could have the Force, you know? Like, anyone could just find out that they have latent force abilities at some point but the midichlorian thing kind of makes makes it seem more like genetics like mm-hmm. uh, yeah like, I never thought about that they give it a number it's, and they make yeah. it predictable and that kind of takes the magic out of it yeah like you're this magic you're 78% magic and there's a 30% chance your kids could be magic right like, exactly uh, so it seems kind of like elitist <laughs> yeah <laughs> Did your kids come out with like blonde hair or uh, brown hair? Brown hair? Okay, then they probably will be a Jedi. You know, it, it, that really gets me because I had always hoped that someday my latent force ability would manifest, and now I'm like, yeah. well, I, I obviously don't have a midi chlorian count, so but, fuck it. But is it obvious? You know, I don't know. That that's what I'm trying to tell myself is like maybe it's okay. I actually <laughs> have been coming up with retcons for midi chlorians where um, in the new movies they could like talk about how it's not actually the midi-chlorians that are connecting the Jedi to the Force and they were wrong about that and it's like people with they discover someone with no midi-chlorians who's connected to the Force and can be a Jedi I want that to happen you want that <laughs> like sense that. of like mystery yeah like the mysticism of Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah I kind of like that idea of an organization that kind of like not worships but kind of celebrates this like unknown that they are like building their strengths from yeah and they don't need to be like there's a science to it and that's why we're good at things they're just kind of like no this is the way it is and we're just trying not to be bad people about it totally it's very Taoist you know yeah which which I'm really into but if I if I hadn't grown up with the original trilogy I wouldn't give a fuck I'd be like oh that's cool I'm sure that I would have liked it if I hadn't grown up with the original trilogy that's why most of most people don't like this I feel like it's just that 
the time of nostalgia because it's just been so long that you've had all this time to build it up in your head. Right. Of like, this was the best movie. If you watch it for the first time the week before, I don't think it'd be as powerful as a gap. But you see when you're like nine or like young and then you wait however many years and then see the uh, the new remake. Like, I understand why people are like, oh, that's not as good as I thought it would be. Yeah. It just feels like it's coming from a different place. And the place that the original trilogy came from is like precious to a lot of us. So it just seems like a, like offensive, like that it would come from a different place, which is a weird reaction that I had. And I'm trying to like, like get to the root of that. Like why, why am I offended that George Lucas went in a different direction? Like I shouldn't be, it's crazy. Cause what's the ultimate goal of making these? Like entertainment. Money. Yeah. Money. <laughs> He's making, he franchised Star Wars. He's never going to be short of money, right. but like, who are you making these for? Are you making for the people? Like, I think that's part of it is now he has a family. His perspective of who to make movies for has changed a bit. Yeah. Kind of everyone rather than just like himself when he's a scrappy filmmaker. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he, I mean, maybe he felt like he finally had the resources that he wanted to, to do what he originally wanted to do. I want to animate a goon and I want him to be in way too many scenes. And I've yeah. been wanting to do that since I was born. <laughs> Now back to our panel. We jump right into question three. Do the visuals support the story? Totally. The ships look great, you know? Like, even that one that gets blown up at the beginning, like, looks cool, parked in that big bay, like, before it gets blown up. And, like, pod races all look cool, and those vehicles look cool. Most of the vehicles, like, I like how they're kind of likes more sleekly styled and they're like oh it's like how like cars in the 20s were like fancier looking than they were in the 70s i was like oh interesting point interesting point yeah that was the explanation why they were more ornate yeah why are they less boxy they're like well in the 70s you had a boxy car and then in the the 20s you had like like real slick looking cars yeah big you know and I, i think like seeing the world's were cool and there are a lot like if you look at it if you like even just like go through like a bunch of like still frames of it just uh it it does look like a star wars movie and it is really cool i have one i have a still frame yeah i got it in the special uh vhs Uh, edition (laughs) and there is one frame and it's watto He's one of the only CG characters I like in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Really? Yeah. Watching him again, I believed him. I believed that he had like. He's got a good character. He's one of the few good characters. (laughs) I happen to have a chance cube with me right now. (laughs) Uh, Right, I know you do a good Watto voice. Yeah, no, pretty good. Would you do do the character? Yeah, please do it. What the? Oh, it's. uh, I haven't recorded it, but it's. I've heard about. About this, like where Darth Vader encounters Watto as no, Darth Vader, right? No, it's supposed to be Watto uh, drunk calling and leaving messages <laughs> on Darth Vader's machine. And oh talking, my god, do it! Talking, well, dude, do it now. There's a lot of pressure. He's just, <laughs> if he if calling, it's bad, we'll like, cut it out. Yeah, he's calling, he's like, hey, any, <laughs> it's what it's Watto. <laughs> I am a drunk, okay? So, uh, <laughs> I saw your mom the other day. No, she died. I'm sorry about your mom. She was a good lady. 
I should have been better. Boom! It's like. I think I got cut off. I, I should have been better than you, Annie. You're like a, you're like a son that's so proud. You got a whole empire now. <laughs> Just like that. I don't know. So I sometimes will walk, like when I'm walking between places, for whatever reason, just your voice coming into my head will just happen. It'll just be like, you never call anymore, Annie. Annie is swallow. Oh, man. I'm, I'm sick, Andy. I'm dying. So, uh... <laughs> So I, I have to say, I don't really think that the visuals support the story in this movie. I think that... What, what does that question yeah. mean? I still well, don't know what that means. It's whatever, whatever you want. I mean, like, these are, these are vague on purpose. I think if you watch, need I the visuals you, in order for the story to I make think, sense. To be, it would be a better movie if you turned all the dialogue off and I didn't have to hear them say any of it. And yeah. if it was just music and the visuals, I would probably like sound this effects? movie a lot better. I agree. Sound I agree. Yeah. I think that the spe- the story exists <laughs> to have a reason to do special effects. Only the dialogue that's been like, like, oh, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like they had a story that they needed to tell and then they tried to find the best way to use visuals to yes. show it. I don't feel that way. In the original yeah. Star Wars oh. trilogy, I do feel, feel that, that way. way. The story drove the narr- like drove everything. Yeah, they're like, well, this is the idea that I have. I'm here, so here's we're gonna build the sets around. Because yeah. he's like here, here's like a, a, a human story that I want to tell. Yeah, yeah. He's and then what, how can I show story. it? He's right. filling in. It's the same problem. He's filling in the blanks, and it's just not that interesting. Yeah, he wanted to. He had all these visuals, and he wanted to kind of show off with all of this stuff, and then he just kind of like fit things in, and everything's really extravagant. There's so much going on in every scene. Needlessly, like I think, yeah. if if it were supporting, like if it was a really, oh, I don't know, like I just remember like a ship <laughs> fighting and all this, and there's these little like vulture droids on top that are attacking it while the right. other ships tag it, and it's just like so it's much stuff. Much. So on. many it's droids needed. It's, so many or droids. even when in, in the menace, when the when the Droidicas. fish attacks, <laughs> when the fish attacks the them under the water, and then a bigger fish comes, and then it happens again later. On. There's always it's yeah. just bigger fish. Do you, so you change one thing about this, and it would work for me. If you if you have the characters aware that they live in a busy fucking universe. Like, when you go from one planet to another, if someone says, oh my god, there's so many goddamn droids on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> if you said that, and that was like a part hey, of the Jar Jar says that all the time. Well, He's like, whoa, yeah. what the, whoa, oh my god. I don't really listen <laughs> when Jar Jar speaks. Well, like, oh my god. makes sense yeah. to have, like, knowing that this Seven is like New York stuff. City, this is like the New York um, mm-hmm. right. universe, and that it's gonna have all this traffic, yeah. and that made sense to me. Even but then look around and wonder, you know? Like, that, okay, it's a busy, that, that made sense, but then everything had to be like that. There's yeah. no deserted. No. You didn't have any balance That's again. I, yeah. Like yeah. Tatooine, you had Hoth, you had sort of quiet. A desert shot yeah. with nothing in it. Everything awesome. is yeah. just... Yeah. I do I feel like we've that. lost a little bit of... Um, be uh, of having to tell a story sort of like in a smaller way like I watched like Big Trouble in Little China Mm -hmm. like the other day I love that movie they're not gonna reboot that are they they oh yeah they I think they are actually fuck Uh, but like so much of that is like they're like (laughs) oh you turn down a little alley and it, it all happens like right in this little alley and then like 
they're in all these rooms where they're like, <laughs> this is the hell of people who are like uh, drowning upside down. But it's not like they don't have a giant CG like cavern where they're like, oh, it looks like a, it's just a one little room. And then they go to like the next room. And I, was like, I love that. Movie. There's some, there's something about the economy of that that they did have to do in the originals. They couldn't make mm-hmm. all these. And I think but if you watch those behind the scene things, he's like, he's like, well, you know, I wanted to make 10,000 aliens, you know, in, in most ISLEs, but I could couldn't so <laughs> thank god but right now but yeah. now that yeah. i can i really that's exactly what i'm gonna do i'm gonna yeah. make so many yeah, what were his priorities so well it's almost i mean like, like he had proof. this great general idea and a great story storyteller in that he had this idea for this universe but he wasn't very good we, we all have to look at george george lucas is not god he had a lot of flaws he had yeah. a lot of weaknesses and again, the re- the reason the originals worked is that he had other people. He was still listening to other people to help fill in those gaps. In yeah, the prequels, totally. he didn't. So this is. I what always we wanted got. to not listen to anybody else when I was making a film. <laughs> now I can. So. That's basically yeah. what he was going for. But that's an interesting point because how often do you get the opportunity to see a singular vision on film? I feel like this is one of the most singular mm-hmm. visions we've ever had from filmmakers where it's what he wanted from start to finish and he had the money and the technology to do it. So we are literally seeing people shouldn't do that. Well, (laughs) or it proves that we're, maybe we're taking it in incorrectly, you know, like what if you look at this movie from the point of view of like, this is like a fever dream from George Lucas. Like this is, uh, like this is just the inside of his mind. (laughs) I don't think so. And like every detail inside of it is just like something that he's created that he's thought up. You know, when you look at it from that point of view, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's just interesting. But it's no, like, but it, I know, but I know it's teams of designers that he's like, make me ten thousand aliens go, <laughs> like build me five different kinds of ships go. Yeah. You know, he's which is cool because he employs a lot of talented people. So it's not his vision, is what you're saying? Not entirely, no. But I, I and I think that. I think that I think that was a mistake. But he's not collaborating I, with these people. I don't think he's collaborating <laughs> enough. Yeah. But he's also, I think these were bad enough, and he and he took full responsibility for full responsibility for him, and I think it was hard enough on him that he was like en- enough, and he kind of let the franchise go, and now a lot of other people are going to be able to make Star Wars movies and they're going to make a bunch of spinoffs, and I think that's probably what should, he should have done like yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Instead of waiting twenty years to make these movies, it's it's interesting. It's a it's an interesting look at the the He'll mind of a creative time, person. Right? <laughs> yeah, <he's got laughs> so yeah, he probably still has revenue from the toys. I think yeah, I think he is set. I think he's doing so, okay. I uh, I'm just worried. <laughs> so I I like I make music. Yeah. One of my first albums, I did everything. I made a singular vision, yeah. and nobody really connected to it. I think it's fucking brilliant. I listen to it. I'm like, this is great. But, <laughs> but nobody really connected to it. Uh, and people had a hard time finding their way into the music because it's, a, it's hard, you know, to find your way into someone else's vision. Uh, but then I started playing in Mugatu, which is very collaborative. And we made yeah. collaborative music where each of us had a say. So a lot of things got thrown out that I liked. But I always liked the final product more. The brain power of three creative people who, who are close and who want to create something together. Yeah. I think it's hard to beat that. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to be so much of a visionary that you that the input from other people wouldn't help. I think almost always the input from other people yeah. would help. I think it's hard but possible because yeah. I think you have your Tarantinos, you have these people who fucking <laughs> are like, are, yeah. Right. Was that like, a singular vision? Do you, I mean, most Tarantino stuff is he writes and he directs yeah. it, and, and he's like, I want this music and, and I want. 
uh, you know, this actor. And, That's yeah. but he's still got he's got his DP, he's got his uh, script supervisor, he's got he's got editors. Right, I'm but sure. Like, I'm well, sure George Lucas had a does. DP. I bet he was he wasn't he doing use too much. CGI, yeah, but no one right? says no to George Lucas. He surrounds himself by I yes. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Do you think? I, I guess but I he do, wrote I don't and know directed about. each of those movies, which he did not do for the originals. For the originals. Only yeah. the first. Only yeah. the first one. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Lawrence Kasdan's contribution to Empire Strikes Back is is vital to making that movie great. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think. And Irvin Kirshner. Irvin Kirshner. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think, yeah, I think typically it is better to have a collective. Typically, collectives do better yeah. stuff. But I think. Uh, I don't know. There's something about uh, there's something in my brain that really admires the person who's like, no, fuck it. I'm gonna try and do this thing by myself because I have a vision in my yeah. head. Yeah, that's me too. I, but, I but like a, that. But kind there's of a line they, to that. So the original Star Wars trilogy, George Lucas was still like that, but he wants. He's like, I want to oversee and guide, and then like use these other creative people to help me fill this in. So I, I read recently the making of Empire Strikes Back, and he was trying to step back a little bit. Like he didn't want to direct that movie because he wanted to uh, let, let it breathe a little bit. And with these prequels, it, he wasn't that way. Where he was right. much more hands on. Yeah. yeah. So I think that there's a line in there where you can still have your vision and help shape this thing, but not necessarily but I, micromanage. Everything. I think it's just person to person, and he didn't knock it out of the park 100 percent when he had his hands on everything. But I don't think that's to say that that's intrinsically bad. Because yeah. I think there's a lot of really good art that's someone being like, I'm going to make this thing and then fucking nailing it. Like yeah. LCD yeah. Sound Systems, one of my favorite bands. And James Murphy just sits in a goddamn room for like forever. Yeah. And then just makes this incredible thing that clearly sounds like one guy made it. Yeah. Uh, and like Tarantino, I think, is a really good example of someone who's like. That's a good point. I, like, and especially also- his early stuff. Like Reservoir Dogs, I'm pretty sure is just like entirely him i think there's almost nothing that is not him and at this point he he probably has yes men and he still nails it like inglorious bastards is like a perfect film in a lot of ways i love well then maybe maybe it's just practice make because he's made a lot more films george lucas hasn't done a whole lot yeah that's really true he was like a producer on howard the duck quentin is a better better filmmaker than george right yeah Yeah, no i totally agree i was just saying that uh that i don't think that's argument that committee is always better is i think that's an unfair statement because just the fact that george lucas is making stuff now that we're not as wild about uh people changed during their career and at one point in his career george lucas was the best filmmaker on the planet yeah and quentin tarantino was never the best filmmaker on the planet He's really good. He's made a lot of yeah. I'm, I don't want to. You can't really compare the. Yeah, they right. make very yeah, different yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm like saying this in absolutes, which is not true. But right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quentin but, you know, a sci-fi I, film. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. It, it's I'm I'm like arguing against making stuff by yourself. I still do that. Like my whole <laughs> sci-fi album is just me in a room by myself. But I actually I bring people in and I ask for opinions all the time, and that steers me so that I can try to make sure that my vision is coming out in a way that's understandable to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it probably was a lot of that. I think it was a, a lot of pressure, and so you put he probably took all, all the control because he wanted to make sure it was good. And but at yeah. this point, I feel like it's not his universe anymore. No, and it, it well, that's, a whole, so that's gross a whole other to me. argument. Feels- <laughs> though, is, does it belong to the people? Like, is it? 
And that's kind of like comparing it again to like to art. You know, does Picasso or Michelangelo Sistine Chapel or something? Michelangelo's dead, obviously, so is Picasso. But what? Like, does yeah? Sorry, (laughs) happened recently. But he got killed by Shredder. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) But I mean, does this is a question? Like, does the artist owe something to us, or does he not, or can he do whatever the fuck he wants? And maybe I think that was your like. I think yeah. To me, and like, I don't think it's necessarily correct. But my natural reaction is that's like, that's like there's like something offensive to my core to be like it doesn't belong to him. There's like something gross about like you make a thing and then everyone else is like, okay, this is ours now. You don't, yeah, you don't get it. But I think well, that made him more mad. He became like a kid with his like toys. We're like, well, fine, well, you can't play with them. But it was like, like a kid who made a toy that everyone wanted to play okay, with, yeah. and <laughs> then defined their childhood around the toy. And they was like, hey, can I have my toy back? And we're like, no. Yeah. the The one place where I would disagree with you is that this whole expanded universe grew around the movies that makes the movies bigger than they actually are. There is a culture of Star Wars. There are people who believe in the Force. Uh, (laughs) Wait, really? Like, actually? Well, so I... Do you I, believe in the Force? (laughs) A big part of how I believe in the universe is very influenced by the Force. Um, And this is why I was so hurt by the midi-chlorians thing, is that the idea that... Do you want to try and... Bring this mug to you. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. For those you who aren't here watching, he <laughs> no. is successfully doing it. So what I mean by that is the idea that all living things are connected by an energy that we can't understand. I believe that. You know, I do believe that. I believe that, like when you walk into a room and you can feel the energy of a room. Well, that, based that's, on real religious yeah, ideas. Yeah, like was, that. That's real to me. You know, like I feel that. It's not like not like the lightsabers and the levitating and all that kind of stuff. Pheromones and. Uh, it's midichlorians I mean, in real lightsabers life. Lightsabers will yeah. be a thing eventually. Soon. They're working on it. Hoverboards first, lightsaber yeah. second. How are they going to get the light to stop? That's what I don't understand. You can't just well, like have lights stop. They're going to figure it out. I don't <laughs> in know. Mid-air. I bet they can. It will be. Never mind. We'll talk about this. There's later. a tiny mirror, a force field around it, an invisible force field. I have a, I have a theory. We'll talk later. Well, we got a little bit away from the question there, but I think this is a really fascinating thing to talk about is where is the line between ownership for the creator and ownership for the fans? I think a lot of fans feel like it should be theirs, but but is that true? I mean, it feels like George Lucas is a creator. Should he do something for himself? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling with those questions because I, I listened back to this part of the episode and I really struggled with hearing us talk about George Lucas in such a negative way because he's such a hero of mine. And just because I don't like his latest three movies as much, his earliest three movies are my favorites. So I don't know, it's a really interesting question. Before we move on from question three, do the visual support the story? Let's get one last opinion from Dan DeRosier, co-creator of the Tiny Baby Talk Show. Uh, do the visual support the story? Um, in the most minimal sense of the word, the visuals establish where the story takes place. Other than that, they are almost Baroque in their approach. Uh, they're, they're so unrealistically lavish and self-indulgent. I remember watching uh, behind the scenes for The Phantom Menace. They're showing George Lucas storyboards and he was doing highlighters. He was coloring in everything that was visual effects, and almost, almost every shot was almost fully colored in with the visual effects marker. I think he had the resources to excessively use special effects, and there's no one there to tell him no. He hired a bunch of yes men, 
And it was the beginning of the, like, films overly stuffed with CGI. It was just distracting to the story and, and didn't bring much more to it. I think practical effects might have been a better approach. I thought it was particularly interesting that a lot of people that I interviewed all said the same thing, and I said the same thing, Jenny said it, that George Lucas surrounded himself by yes-men during the creation of episode one. I think that that's kind of become the fan consensus. You know, George Lucas butted heads with people when he made Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. and the prequels, maybe he hired people who were more likely to kind of give in to his will. I'm not totally sure if this is the case. I tried to do some research to see if I could back it up because so many of us on the podcast made that assumption. I found a lot of fan written articles or critics all saying that George Lucas surrounded himself by yes men. I didn't find any definitive evidence saying that that was the case. I even took to Reddit and asked the Star Wars fans out there on the internet. Reddit user ODJ310388 recommended to me that I check out a video called The Beginning, Making Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. It's a documentary directed by John Schenk that went behind the scenes uh, and it does give you the opinion that people were maybe a little bit afraid to say no to George Lucas. There's a couple scenes in particular, one where uh, Ben Burt, who was the sound designer, and I didn't even know he was the assistant editor, he's sitting in the editing bay with George Lucas and they're working on a scene and George Lucas is picking and choosing particular takes from one actor in, in one take and another actor in another take and putting them together digitally. And Ben Burt looks physically uncomfortable. Uh, he seemed to think that George Lucas was maybe opening up Pandora's box by picking and choosing each individual actor's best take instead of the best overall take. To me, it was obvious that he wasn't comfortable with the idea, but he didn't say anything about it to George Lucas. He just said, all right, that's what, that's what you want to do. We're going to do it. And then another part of the documentary that was really telling is when they watch the rough cut of the movie for the first time and everyone seems a little dismayed by it. George Lucas even says, I think we may have gone too far this time. Of course, it's the rough cut and they changed a lot of stuff after that. So who knows what that cut looked like to them. But it was a really interesting behind the scenes look where George Lucas has all of this world in his head and he's just telling everyone else how to make it real and they just do it. On the one hand, I mean, that's fascinating. That's incredible. That's amazing that you have this filmmaker who's doing that and creating his singular vision, as we discussed earlier in the panel. On the other hand, it did seem like there was an environment of just doing what you're told and not questioning it. Of course, maybe that's what it's like on movie sets. When I'm at work, my boss tells me to do something, I just fucking do it. If I, if I disagree strongly enough, I'll bring it up and I'll question. But if she still says no, you know, I just go for it. And that's fine. That's... That's the way life works. So maybe maybe it's unfair to say George Lucas is surrounded by yes men. Maybe he's just surrounded by people who are just doing their job. I don't know. Uh, so long story short, I would recommend taking those statements about George Lucas with a grain of salt because we weren't there. We don't know. But let's move on with the trial. Okay, let's move on to question four. Uh, does this film make you believe? So this is all about temporary suspension of disbelief, as they'd say in Ed Wood. Do you, is your belief suspended to go along for the ride? Do you believe in this universe in this movie? The, uh, this is a part where I'm going to go negative. I don't. Like, while watching it, even though I delighted in it, there is no point where I felt lost in it. Yeah. But in fairness, I, outside of Mad Max, I haven't really felt lost in a film in forever. And you've yeah. never felt lost in the original trilogy, right? Well, I did, but I was seven, you know? 
Like when a, you saw it, when, when I saw it originally, yeah, I totally felt lost in it. But I also, you were lost in all of them equally, right? Right. Yeah. Also, the first time I saw it, I also believed that I dreamed the entire plot. <laughs> <laughs> I get lost in the first one if I'm watching on a crappy TV. Hmm. And the old, I mean, the old ones, the old ones. What about the new one? The original, but the new ones not so much. Yeah. It's always like, oh, that's CG. That's CG. That's a model. And that takes you out of the world. That's a yeah. Right. I think I still do get lost in them. If, if I, I think upon the uh, first viewing of each of the prequels, I was like, yeah. But then subsequently, uh, it loses its its dazzle. But uh, I'm easily lost in things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite parts was the scene inside their house, uh-huh. inside Annie, Anakin the, and the dinner house. scene. Yeah. Yeah, because they're just in a house. There's no, like, technology anywhere. Yeah. Jenny, what about you? Yeah, no. And it, yeah, I mean, no. I, I can watch it again. My my opinion of it will soften, and maybe, okay, maybe contributed this and that. But it's just, and I am someone that gets lost. And, I mean, I should probably see a therapist about it. I mean, like, the way I was with Star Wars, like, I would literally, like, I put myself in that universe. Yeah. I could feel it. It felt very real to me. It was my escape from reality and from bullying and from everything. And and I don't think any, no perspective, in no world could I see myself if I had been a couple years younger and, I had been introduced to this world with the Phantom Menace. I I just can't fathom a world where I would have felt the same way and would have been lost in it at all. But yeah. there are kids kids who were kids but, when they saw it. They, yeah, but are yeah. they are they I would yes, love to they meet are. a child. I, I'm that, interviewing someone for this. Really? Uh, I would love Lindsay to Leonard actually yeah. grew up watching all these movies concurrently and she loves these movies. She loves the prequels. Like the beauty and the cleanness the pristineness of the world, she gets like totally lost and she loves yeah. it. I mean, speaking for her, I, I think that's what she would sure. say. I'm, I'm going to like include that interview. Do, in do this. you think Star Wars Phantom Menace made everyone want like have to see like lots of stuff on the screen all the time for everything? I think that's a really good question. Is I, it responsible for like YouTube poop? <laughs> I don't Maybe. know if it's responsible for people feeling like they need to see it. I think it is responsible for filmmakers feeling like they need to mm. do, do it. That. Perfect answer. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I, 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 like, my big thing, like, uh, like everyone really hates CGI being everything, but I just don't think it's because it's impossible to do well. I think it's because the people who are handed the amount of money you need to make that kind of movie are visual people and not storytellers. Because, like, Michael Bay... If you just took the dialogue out of a Transformers movie, that's a fucking great movie. Those movies are so fun. Can't understand but what's like, happening in a yeah, Michael Bay movie. It's incredible. Yeah. But like if you <laughs> if you filmed like a battle scene now, you couldn't just show like fifty guys and, <laughs> and you know, like Braveheart, you know, the only there's like a couple hundred guys, but you would have to see at some point a larger shot of many more people. You, you would have to see true? the realistic like it, it amount. Out and there's I like, don't think that's and it turns true. From real where where it's like Troy, people. where you see a thousands of thousands of ships. I don't think that's true because I hadn't seen Braveheart in its entirety until like a year ago, and I was fully engrossed the whole time. Yeah. 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 But, this, yeah, but they don't make. But when they make movies now, they don't. 
Right, but they again, I think that's, I think that's a those. filmmaker feeling a responsibility rather than a, an audience needing to see well, it. That oh, way. well, I, yeah, I yeah. think okay, I cool, agree cool. with the story. Like I was saying, I think the stories can be told, yeah, with much smaller. Like, t- like TV is so good. Yeah. Like if it was a TV series about where there's a battle, what? you know they're either going to like Game of Thrones and just not show it and just talk about it or there's going to be like, you know, 20 people and right. they talk about the big right. battle. How about TV. just like a family drama that's where the Star Wars universe is in the background? I like it. I think that'd right? be rad. That'd be like super there's rad. Like, that's all this stuff's happening, but they're like going through like troubled family times. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. That's sort of what I hope for. <laughs> I I sort of hope that action is like a minimal part of the next one. I hope it's just like a well-told story. But you just can't. I think you can do uh, the... The crazy special. I mean, I think that is just our generation. Like, you've got a generation that can't watch a movie, and myself included. I can't sit down and watch TV without also scrolling through Facebook at the same yeah, time. Like, yeah. you need to con. I'm the most ADD person on the planet. If I yeah. explain, like, I like a lot going on, and yet you can't. But I don't know. You just can't sacrifice a good story and characters that you connect to. And I agree. There, there's one moment in this movie where my disbelief is suspended, and I am in it, and I believe it, and it's the lightsaber fight at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. That got That's me. True. And, yeah. and the, the you know, like we were talking about earlier with the whatever the those panels energy down, panels, he, like, sort yeah. of meditates. And yeah, gets back like that. that oh, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Yeah, and I I'm trying to I'm trying to let go of what I don't like and hold on to what I do and say, is this movie worthwhile? And just for that lightsaber fight, I would say this movie's worthwhile. Yeah. But that lightsaber fight always makes me think, what, oh, what I, happened to... As soon as I said that, I'm sorry. I, felt, I, got, <laughs> I got really upset at myself because I remembered midi-chlorians. Yeah, sorry, right? I, whenever I see that lightsaber fight, I, I, I always wonder what, like, what happened to Obi-Wan Kenobi's, like, skill later on. He's when, he's, when he's older? Oh, yeah. That was, oh. that, like that, was another, fight. that was another thing, though, watching the old ones again, trying to look at it with fresh eyes and... I remember reading about the different because nowadays the lightsaber battles and every, and well and anything have to be so choreographed and um and this was one he's like literally like this very jolted like you should go back and like, fix those scenes and make them like super well, fast and awesome. I thought there was something sort of interesting to that and that you know an oldie one's an old man and he's kind of just trying to yeah. fend him off. And, I think an but, old man and a broken man and I always imagined that they were using the force to stop each other from moving faster. Maybe you know, oh good one. Obi-Wan's goal is not to strike him down. <laughs> Obi-Wan's very clear goal is to just kind of keep him distracted. He knows that Luke and them are trying to run and escape, and right. that's his only, you know. But Obi Wan's going like, home to the Force been, in twenty minutes. He knows that, yeah. you know. He's just trying to yeah. wait until then. Well, he, Darth Vader even says escape is not his plan. Like, yeah, he, he, they all know that this is. Yeah. But, but still, like I think that the new lights, the a little more choreographed lightsaber battles were more interesting than that kind of like. Yeah. God, this is making me like really angry at well, this movie. Old. Now that it's so funny, <laughs> like I've been so up on it the last couple of days. Um, so and now, now it is stepping on the toes of the old movies. Yeah, that's the thing is like, <laughs> but the, 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 I'm, I'm trying so, to like say yeah. to ignore that, but I but now that I'm thinking about that more deeply, it's like, is it worth it to ignore that? Is it worth it to forget how much I love these old movies in order to enjoy a new movie? So Maybe much not. You have to forget you know? about the originals to enjoy yeah. the prequels, think- and that's. The- why? Help me out, baby Dan. You gotta help me here. You have to, what are you gonna appreciate things that came out two decades apart as the same thing? No, you have to appreciate one as yeah. one and one as the but other. But then why put the same well, name on then, it, you know? Because it's a 
incredible yeah. universe. Because you gotta like troll it. It's a different universe. The prequels too. are a different universe. He's got a better sword choreographer. <laughs> he didn't know what he was doing in the yeah. first one. I think that fight's more like like two samurai who are like uh-huh. just kind of like touching the ends of their swords, and then one guy's gonna hit one guy once, and it's gonna be over because it's a really sharp sword. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that sword. if Phantom Menace came out and it was the same movie that it is plus bad lightsaber battles or not like bad but like more classic lightsaber battles you'd yeah. be even more frustrated with the movie oh yeah, yeah it was totally cool. cool of course yeah. Yeah. so I mean, like but all why... Phantom Menace has going for it can we all agree on this though is the special effects and the cool choreography and everything. I mean, that's all it yeah. is. I right. I do like appreciating it from the point of view as looking at this the history of cinema and seeing that this was the first CG universe. As much as I hate the fact that that's where things went, I do think that someday we will look back on that as a turning point that brought about positive change. I hope. Um, so that I think is something that, w- like, with some time, will be a positive thing. Do you yeah. think? Do you think any of us will? At- ever be happy with the new movie do you think you can I think I'll love it I think it's gonna be (laughs) just goddamn stupid we're not a fan of J.J. Abrams Really? Like those Star Trek movies are pretty are good. Annoying. Uh, the first, okay, the first okay. one is good. The second, the second one is garbage. Oh, right. it's real bad. The second one is one where if you ask me, is this they a garbage cool, movie? Though. I might say yes. Now, why, those why movies they, look really cool, though. Why do we have so much faith? Just because he's saying, I'm not going to do well, too much. Because, 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 because we're dumb. I think that JJ. <laughs> we, saw, Abram, we saw the trailers for no. Phantom Menace and we thought that was no, cool. No, no, no. There's a difference. Yeah, because here's the thing George Lucas. George Lucas is like, his idea is, it's my story, my vision. I'm going to do what I want. I'm doing this. J.J. Abrams, I do think, is a fan. Like, he understands. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. Just from seeing everything I've seen of the new ones coming out, from the Comic-Con footage to the trailers, yeah. he seems to know and he gets. Like, dude, that trailer was so perfectly crafted, having that last bit of Han Solo at mm. the end. Chewie, we're home. I was screaming, like, yeah. in my just, also, th- that trailer and, made me cry. Yeah, I was like, just he like, knows "Holy shit!" The fans. So that's what gives me faith in him. Is I think he respects this whole universe, the whole everything that George Lucas didn't. Because he, and again, that's his right. He was like, "Well, fuck you, guys. Like, I'm going to do what I want." JJ Abrams, yeah. I think, is listening to people. Yeah. And for the record, the reason I think I'll enjoy it is because I don't have a high bar to compare it to because like the reason you were saying like if the second one was bad then why do we have faith in him if the seventh star wars movie is the same quality as the second star trek movie i will still probably enjoy it because that's still a superior movie like it's not superior but it's like an equal movie to the phantom menace we're gonna hear from pete gk about his opinions on emotional investment in the film and then we'll hear the rest of my conversation with Lindsay leonard and albert kirchner a lot of people are like, oh, there's no emotion. I'm not emotionally invested. I actually think the the lightsaber duel at the end of Phantom Menace is really intensely emotional because you have Darth Maul, who is like one of the first Sith to show himself in centuries. I don't know. Um, and suddenly like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are just their minds are kind of blown because they're like they've never had an opponent who is anywhere near their level. I mean, we have to assume because the Sith have been wiped out for so long, so they're just fighting droids or whoever the fuck else is just like, I'm going to kill you. Um, 
So you have this guy who is like, okay, my people were destroyed by the Jedi, and now I have this one shot to get my revenge. I'm going to kill these two motherfuckers because they killed everybody that was, you know, on my side, quote unquote. And then Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are struggling in some cases to handle how good he is with a lightsaber and how strong he is. And I think that's sort of like this, uh, you know, the whole movie, The Phantom Menace, it's like this long dead order is now rising back up and they're trying to deal with it and Qui-Gon can't. He fucking dies. And that's a really big deal. And I think there is a lot more going on in that death scene than people let on because a lot of people kind of shit on it. But if you watch it, I mean, Obi-Wan freaks out and like that's as close to a dad as he really has. And he's dead. And we know Obi-Wan's story. We know where you know, everything that's going to happen in his life, more or less, when we see that scene. And that's kind of like one of the first big emotional blows that we see happen to him in this in the whole series. So I think the lightsaber duels are actually pretty on point, um, even though they are more flashy. But again, we're looking at Jedi coming from a totally different order where they have been trained for so long with lightsabers. So you're, it's going to be a little more there's more finesse going on there whereas Luke who trained on the fucking Millennium Falcon with one little ball that thing um yeah so like obviously there's going to be more skill there than just kind of doing it like by the seat of your pants way later than all these Jedi were what when like I don't know what kind of door those like shields are kind of up and uh you know mauls at the end of it and then Obi-Wan's way over here at the other end and Qui-Gon's just like in the middle and they realize that they can't get to each other so Qui-Gon's just like I'm a chill and like he just meditates like trying to like focus everything that he can I that part is I think that's really telling about like where Qui-Gon's coming from the hatred that's in Darth Maul's eyes he's just waiting he's like I'm gonna fucking get this guy and then at the other end Obi-Wan's like freaking out because he knows he should be closer but I oh god so good it's really good like going back to when you were nine Lindsay, and saw it for the first time it like it totally suspended your disbelief and you were along for the ride and you loved it oh yeah yeah and what was i mean what what did that feel like to you like what was the and that's that's a crazy question to try to answer but i i think for a lot of people like me who couldn't and want that experience like Mm -hmm. i want to be able to feel that way what would you recommend like how how did you approach it and, and what about it well, felt good? I think I think for me, it just I felt like I entered that world. I was able to suspend my disbelief so much. And I guess that's the goal, right, when you watch any movie, is to feel like you're living in that world. Yeah. Um, so, if you can just find a way to let go of yourself enough, that's... <laughs> get really drunk <laughs> that's all I mean if you're like a kid then a goofy character or poorly written dialogue isn't really going to take you out of anything because you're used to goofiness as a, like a norm and your dialogue is already awful so that's, that's not something that like will rip you out of a world you're just saying cool spaceships and people that are kind of as silly as I am and then you grow up and then maybe like being older is just not gonna it's gonna be rough to be, like hear lines that are that bad or see some like character that's so just insanely goofy in a world that takes itself so seriously yeah Mm -hmm. and maybe some of it too if you're watching it when you're young i feel like it's easier to imagine yourself as any of these characters and sort of live the life of the movie through any of them but as you get older you're like i would never do that (laughs) (laughs) this is not you know when you're a kid like oh you could be anything you could do anything 
Yeah. And, and now it's like, well, these guys have the force. I'll never have the force. This isn't real. <laughs> I love bad dialogue um, <laughs> and, and all that. I wonder, I wonder if it could have been worse, though, because because Lucas has said that that was a stylistic choice. And I just wish that he would have gone further style? with it. So I would have like known, you know, yeah. like if if I accept that as my reality right away and that's where I set my bar then I'm completely in that world and it's not going to take me out right but if but if all of a sudden it's like mm, this is kind of normal like I can accept this I can accept this and then something is like a little off then I'm not I don't know maybe it's like the the uncanny valley of language where it's got <laughs> it's, you know you gotta pick a side you can't be in the middle so it's more like inconsistencies than necessarily when it's bad it's just that it's bad out of nowhere yeah or maybe. It's, if it's all or bad it's in like, the same way it's fine mm -hmm. but if it's bad in different ways it's confusing i guess or if it's like if it's bad but it's too close to mm, to real gotcha like language yeah so you can't tell he's trying to be bad because i've heard those statements also that the dialogue is not not necessarily supposed to be bad but it's supposed to be like this like flash gordon style of like okay yeah uh, uh, but bad. I mean, Flash Gordon is known for bad dialogue. But that you know? seems like when the first three came out, it didn't seem like they were shooting for that as much. And so that seems like a weird change to take on now. It almost seems like a weird cop out that like we just wrote poor dialogue and we'll say that it's because we wanted to look like Flash Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think something that's interesting, too, is you watch the the first three that were made and... The, the the dialogue kind of matches the picture quality too, right? Like it it feels a little bit campy, all of it. But but then the the three prequel movies are so glossy looking, and they're so sleek yeah. that I think that there, there's something a little I don't know. There's this just like a, a lack of artistic <laughs> unity, maybe. Well, that's a great way to say it. Yeah, um, I agree, for sure. Not enough like people running around with their shirts off to make it feel campy. Yeah, we have yeah. more glitter. <laughs> yeah, because the first, the first trilogy does feel campy. Uh, so when the dialogue is maybe a little campy, it fits. Right, right. You're not going to think about it. You're like, well, of course, of course they're talking like this. Here they are with yeah. this puppet, right? But uh, yeah, say, I mean, say what you will about Phantom Menace. It doesn't really feel campy, you know? It feels like it's trying to be a big space opera. Mm -hmm. And then it throws in moments where where you're like, wait, now you're trying to be goofy, yeah. like with Jar Jar Binks or like weird, goofy dialogue. Yeah, is that an effort to kind of bring in the next generation of nine year olds? You think? Maybe. That's a, I mean, very likely. You know, because George Lucas has kids at this point when he makes these this new trilogy. Mm -hmm. So. I wonder how that affects your filmmaking because when when he was younger he didn't have kids so he's making movies that he wants to see mm -hmm. maybe when he's older he's making movies that he thinks his kids will want to see because he wants to do something for his kids because he loves them so much I, I wonder if that goes into it I wonder but they're so dark yeah especially compared with the other I think these are a lot more adult than is it the, the second or third one where Anakin just chops up all those the third child one. Jedis yeah I but, but in the second one he kills all those sand people and yeah. the kid sand people and all their dogs I don't <laughs> <laughs> and all their dogs <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. And I can't, I just can't wrap my brain around it. But I mean, all of this stuff aside, Star Wars is like such a huge thing that all these people have so many different perceptions and experiences with it. And mm -hmm. there's no like right or wrong. There's no, this is the way you should experience Star Wars. Um, 
And I used to think that there was. I used to think people should watch the originals first. But then, I mean, I don't know. Who am I to say? Like, if, if she has this experience where watching Anakin turn dark is a shock. Because the, 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 the trade-off is that you lose the moment where you find out that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Right? That's the big reveal that is fucked up by knowing that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. Yeah, but that's a kind of a cool story to see, like, this boy become a man, then become evil, then have a child who then combats them later. It's so cool. Like, that's another yeah. way to it's see it. It's super cool. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's better. Maybe when we have kids, they'll watch it that way, and they'll be like, that's better. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of LucasArts pumping out three three movies every decade or so, yeah. and then just kind of when you were born is where, like, you start the story. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. I think that when these new movies come out and there's so much, they look like they're way more on tone with the original trilogy. When do they come out? December is the first one. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh my God, we're so close, guys. I, I wonder if we're going to look at the prequels with fresh eyes and see them fitting in this whole universe in a different way. When we have more Star Wars that's like what the fan base has been craving that they didn't get with the, the prequel trilogy, you know? Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's going to like reshape the way we look at it in some cool way. It might. I don't know. Uh, last question. How do you feel about the pod race? I think it's so fun. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm not even, I've never been that into action scenes, but it's so, it's so visually stunning. I hate that I keep saying that, but it is. Yeah, it was kind of, it was scary for me how, watching it. It's still kind of scary. How often are they pod racing? Because it seems like almost everyone dies every time there's a pod race. <laughs> <laughs> every Bunta Eve, everyone dies. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, hey, I have, I have something here that I got today uh -huh. uh, at work. Randy had some cereal, my boss, and um, inside the cereal box... Was this poster? Oh, oh my god! Uh, from Star Wars Two: Attack of the Clones. I don't know why this was in a, a box of Cheerios because this has been out for a long time, and I hope the cereal wasn't that old. Um, oh my god! It's really nice. I'm gonna take it with me wherever I go. That's <laughs> awesome. It yeah. says "May the Fourth be with you" on the back. It says "May the Fourth? Oh yeah. yeah. Star like, Wars like, Day. May fourth the Fourth of, yeah. of what? Oh. oh, May the 4th. Oh, yeah. yeah. God. So that cereal is still pretty old, but not that old. Uh, May 4th cereal. <laughs> I mean, say what you will about any of the prequels. The posters are great. Yeah. Right. They're awesome. They're really Well, the great. artwork is, yeah. It's I the same like artist. It's very beautiful. The same artist oh. did, like, the, the similar posters for the original trilogy. Uh, really? Drew Struzan? Drew, Drew Struzan, I think his name is. Oh. Brilliant. Uh, he, did, he did, like, all the Raiders of the Lost Ark posters he did a lot of the oh. the most famous ones that you see awesome well thank you guys so much for for chatting with me thank you yeah. for having us thanks for letting me drop in yeah mm -hmm. well friends we've reached the end of our second episode next time the action comes to a head as the trial reaches a conclusion and a verdict is rendered if you enjoyed this episode leave us a positive review on itunes and subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice I'm excited to say we will be one of the very first shows on the new Google Play podcast library coming soon to the internet near you. Follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi on Trial where you can help choose the next film we will put through the ringer. 
We've narrowed it down to Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull versus Star Trek Into Darkness. I'll be posting a Twitter poll at Sci-Fi on Trial this Sunday, November 29th. So hop on Twitter and vote between those two films. Let us know what you want to see go on trial next. This podcast is part of the Sci-Fi Project, my multimedia science fiction work, which also includes my weekly show, Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. My latest guest on that show is Hannah Hate, who played Molly O'Brien on Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Learn more at jessemercury.com. For more information on the show you just heard and our brilliant and stalwart panel, head on over to sci-fiontrial.com. We'll see you next time.